I'm live on Instagram. Hello? You're live all over the place now. Oh, my goodness gracious. You know, we jump on here live and we just start talking and we don't really ever announce that we're live and mm -hmm. we don't really say a whole lot about it. But here we are. We're here today again uh, with your favorite guest. Um, today, I'm going to dive into talking about the old Mark Bell. Um, people ask a lot of questions about it and people, you know, are like, oh, I love the fat Mark. I love the old Mark. Um, and I want to try to clear some things up for some people out there. I see a lot of comments on Instagram, a lot of comments on YouTube. Um, and, uh, I just, I would like to just kind of address some of that, but before we dive into that, I just went to the bathroom and you know, I was taking a leak and I was like, you know what? Like, I, you know, I took a dump earlier. Like I could probably use a little extra, you know, cleaning down there. And so, mm -hmm. you know, the, the baby wipes were there. I was there. It was like meant to be took the baby wipes out and the baby wipes are great because you can really get in there. You can get all the stuff <laughs> yeah. out that you need to get out. Like you can actually, you can actually like scrape the stuff off your butthole. Mm -hmm. Now you can't really do that with toilet paper. No, it hurts. It hurts. And the toilet paper is going to get like stuck down there. You it could fall apart. It can fall apart. You can rip it. And then you end up with what my kids have called butt finger. <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, impossible to get off your hands. It's like hard to get off your hands in like maple syrup for some reason. I don't know why. You ever have maple syrup get up like way up high on your fork? Yeah, yeah. And, like you're it, eating pancakes and it, then it's over with. You it, can't figure it out. It ends up like on your forearms and you're just like, where the fuck, where's this coming from? Yeah, then you get a napkin and the napkin's compromised and it's stuck to your hand and yep. then it's just a whole big mess. But Well, how scary is this? When I went to the bathroom just now, I seen the said wipes. And had the exact same experience and did the exact same thing. <laughs> so we're... That's awesome. We're on the same wipe. Yeah, we're on the same wipe cycle. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> the same wife cycle. Wipe, <laughs> wipe cycle. <laughs> I'm glad you shared that because, yeah, no, that's that's awesome. Oh, I want it to be, you know, I want this to be a pleasant experience for everybody, I guess, mm -hmm. this podcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't want to come in here dirty. Good. But, <laughs> but it's... uh. It's amazing that more people don't use wipes. I yeah. Mean, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's just, and then other companies try to make like flushable wipes and they try to make like dude wipes and they try to make these special wipes. And it's like, you don't really need special wipes. Just the regular baby wipes were great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they work fantastic. Yeah. I remember I read something or maybe I heard something, but all fle all wipes, even the ones that are labeled flushable are not actually flushable. Oh, I'm sure we're all going to be screwed from this in any, you know, any and, minute now. And for the amount of poop that escapes my body daily, mm -hmm. I can't have any septic tank issues or like if there's anything plumbing bad that goes on at my house, like <laughs> we're all screwed. So well, like, your, your plumbing's already bad enough. So that's what I'm saying. Like and I can't even risk it by throwing wipes in there. Yeah. So... <laughs> Years ago at, uh, <laughs> at Midtown Strength and Conditioning, when we ran our first ever powerlifting meet, um, we've run other stuff at Super Training, um, but they're really small, uh, kind of invite only bench competitions and some different things like that. And there was usually like competitions kind of like amongst friends. It wasn't real sanctioned contests. Mm -hmm. So we decided to run this contest at midtown strength conditioning and then we started doing more and more over the years um but this was the first one and uh man uh <laughs> talk about it being a shitty day we we had a um 
we had a, a septic uh, backup or oh, a sewage no. sewage backup, and it was so disgusting and so gross what mm-hmm. happened, uh, and things got so backed up that this the there was like a manhole cover inside the gym. Oh, I don't know how this happened, but this cover got pushed upward <laughs> by all this flow of shit and toilet paper <laughs> and whatever else was down there. And the water proceeded to leak all throughout the warm-up room in the mm-hmm. gym. Mm-hmm. And guess what happened? What happened? Absolutely nothing. Oh. Nobody cared. All they did oh, was no. <laughs> all they did was move their gym bags. All they did was move their gym bags, and everyone, everybody proceeded, and everybody moved on and did everything. Just everyone just kept lifting. They didn't care. There was like shit coming out did of the ground. Did people acknowledge it, or they're just? Oh yeah, people okay. were like, "Hey, remember Ghostbusters too? Like when all that stuff started coming up <laughs> mm-hmm. out of the ground." It looked like that because this manhole cover, which I don't know how much those things weigh, 250 pounds or something. Yeah. The thing was getting pushed up from whatever shit was underneath Dude. underneath that lid. It could have been baby wipes. Yeah. Yeah. It could, well, it could have been the non-flushable baby wipes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was a bigger guy back then, so I was going through a lot. <laughs> I was going through a lot of baby wipes, but because, I kind of needed baby wipes back then. It was the only way to really keep everything going, yeah, keep everything clean. Because you're going through a lot because it was just more <laughs> volume or just more of you that you couldn't like clean. There was more no, surface I, area to clean. I probably, I probably pooped every time I went. Every time I had to go to the ba- every time I went to the bathroom to pee, I would just be like, I might as well just take a shit. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I know that I need to because I was eating so often. Yeah. So it's just kind of a streamline, you know? I remember I clogged the toilet in the upstairs bathroom so bad I had to ask my dad for help. <laughs> and when he unplugged it, he was like, he was just amazed at how big the shits were. Yeah, he's like, how did this happen? He pointed at a football. He's like, there was a piece that's like half of that size. Like, you know, like half of it was yeah. the size of the football. I'm just like, I know. That's why I needed help. I go to other people's houses sometimes and I size up the toilet. And I'm like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to take a shit this place. <laughs> it wouldn't work. Yeah. We, uh, when we moved into our house, we, uh, we got these kind of special toilets and they're not really that expensive. Um, a regular toilet can be pretty cheap though. Like a regular toilet can be like 50 bucks. Um, but this type of to- toilet called a tutu toilet, T-O-T-O, mm-hmm. um, those toilets are, I wouldn't say they're not cloggable, but it's a lot harder to clog it. Mm-hmm. Now it's not industrial like at yeah. the airport Dude. where you can flush down a, a small child mm-hmm. you can flush them down the they toilet they have all kinds of horsepower yeah whoosh, <laughs> and it just sucks in everything right it's not as powerful as that but uh i guess the the hole uh that it takes the poop down in or whatever and the pipe mm-hmm. are different and that that helps keep everything better but i I sometimes I'm at somebody else's house and I'm like, even like Brian Shaw's house and stuff. I'm like, mm-hmm. how does this toilet survive it in this place? I've pooped at Brian Shaw's house, and and he probably clogged the toilet. <laughs> no, I think I, I was okay. It was like, uh, like you know, when you travel a lot and you kind of like can't really fire one out. Well, it hit me at his traveler's house. ass. <laughs> yeah, and vacation ass. Yeah, my yeah. cousin was calling out on the podcast. Yeah, but I, I did all right. It's been kind of cool. Like I I pooped at uh, Stone Cold's house too. Oh man, he's gonna be so upset. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. Man, it was really bad at Jason Kalipa's though. That was the worst one by oh, far. Oh man, he probably. I mean, he he hasn't invited us back, <laughs> and that is exactly why. It was awful. He ran out of toilet paper too, and I had to come back out. 
<laughs> it's pretty bad. He had to give you extra toilet paper? Well, there was none in there. And I kept like, okay, like maybe we'll leave pretty soon. And if you remember, we stayed there literally like till the next day. Yeah. But. We were there forever. Yeah. And I was just like, fuck. Like, I went in there and I'm like, maybe if I just like, you know, let some pressure out. It'd be that good was a to great go. day. We made pizza and. Uh, you broke his son's scooter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, I know. Speaking of Fat Mark. That kid's going to be, I know, that kid's going to be like big and strong one day and he's going to whoop my ass. Yeah. Like, remember that scooter that you broke, bitch? His conditioning will be great. Yeah, he's just going to, well, he's probably going to know jujitsu. Definitely. Uh, Jason is a, as you guys know that have seen this uh, podcast before and seen Jason on here, Jason's a madman. And Jason tells me sometimes he's like giving his his son like these speeches, these like epic speeches. And then he kind of looks at his son and he realizes... (laughs) He's like, oh shit, dude. He's only like six. (laughs) (laughs) Jason's like trying to describe the meaning of life and how he thinks his son should do jujitsu and how he'd learn a lot and how it'd do a lot for his mind, body, and spirit. And he gets them all fired up. Then he's like, he just looks at him like all confused. He's like, oh shit. My son's like not even paying attention. He's Mm -hmm. watching SpongeBob. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes you got to just kind of realize that the kid's not going to want to pay attention to what you're talking about. Mm Mm-hmm. But a few things I want to address, some of the things have kind of popped up recently on Instagram, and that's why we're live over here on Instagram. And you guys can ask a couple questions over here. Hopefully, I'll actually be able to uh, see them and interact with you guys a little bit. But I'm just going to address a couple things, and I'll pop over here and look at some of these questions as well. But um, one thing I noticed is a lot of people are looking for the exact recipe too often. How many carbs? How many grams of protein? How much trend? How much trend? How much trend? That's what everyone's always asking, right? Mm-hmm. How much trend? How do you not know how much you're taking? Listen, if you want to know how much trend, you got to talk to my trend doctor. His name is Mike O. Trend. <laughs> Contact him. Look him up. He's got all the information. And he's got your hookup. Holla if you hear me. <laughs> um, you know, people are looking for the exact recipe. And really the truth to all these kind of things, how much protein, how many carbs, how much fat. Um, there's not really an exact amount that you need to really worry about a ton What needs to be focused on more is you need to focus more on being consistent. So um, let's say, for example, you don't do any cardio training. Well, to all of a sudden be obsessed with how many times a day somebody else does cardio is a big mistake. Um, Let's say that you recognize that you could utilize some more cardiovascular training and it could help you. Uh, Let's just say that you um, are just unhealthy. Let's not even talk about like getting ripped or anything like that. Just say you want to make some life changes and you've heard me talk about 10 minute walks. You heard Stan Efforting talk about 10 minute walks. Walking has been a acknowledged thing for health for many, many, many years. People know that it can help. It can help lower blood pressure. It can help your blood sugar. There's really nothing there's nothing dangerous about walking. There's not anything about walking that would really be a negative. <clears throat> uh, I guess all things have their like drawbacks or whatever, but for the most part, uh, it's pretty damn positive, right? Now, if you all of a sudden get obsessed with how much walking somebody's doing, well, you're kind of starting to look in the wrong place. How about you just start to think about how much walking you should be doing and how much walking you were doing? So if you walk twice a week, well, that may be twice a week more than you were walking before. So sometimes I see these questions pop up and I appreciate the questions and I try to, we try to interact and we try to get you guys the best answers we possibly can, but we can't answer you all the time. And so my point is here, the exact recipe that I'm doing may not be the exact recipe for you in the first place. Um, 
And I try to give as much detail as I possibly can. Running through this bodybuilding show, I tried to give everybody the recipe. I tried to tell people, this is what I'm doing. Here's my coach. Hani Rambad was my coach. He suggested that I have 150 grams of carbohydrates per day. He suggested that I have about 75 grams of fat a day. He suggested that I have um, 350 grams of protein per day. And then he kind of broke it down and said, hey, here's what you can do. Here's what you can't do. And um, we just went from there. Uh, protein sources are the protein sources necessary to get to get me to that amount of protein for the day with that allotted amount of fat. What type of what type of uh, protein to eat? Well, it just depends on you know uh, depends on the particular day and how much fat I'm allowed. Again, I was allowed seventy five grams, so. It's going to be a lot of chicken, probably. It's going to be a lot of fish and maybe some steak mixed in there. Um, but don't really get so obsessed with the exact recipe because the truth to being successful is you're going to have to go out and mess up a lot of times. You're going to have to go out and fail a lot of times. Um, I've heard some musicians get frustrated uh, with um, some of these game shows where people go on and they audition in front of like Paul Abdul or something like that. And the reason why these old school guys get frustrated is because they want you to go play uh, at a bar for 50 bucks and have 20 people show up. They want you to go, uh, go on tour and live in a van and <laughs> get screwed over and have bookings that get pushed back. And ha just ha they want you to kind of live life and go through a lot of these things and have a lot of failures. They want you to go and uh, set up and maybe the stage and maybe the place that you go to doesn't have any of the equipment that you need to even uh, go sing the song that you're going to sing or even perform uh, whatever it is you're going to perform, but you do it anyway. You like figure out a way to do it, you know, whether you're a comedian or a bodybuilder or power lifter. Um, a lot of times power lifters are waiting for the right opportunity, the perfect contest, the perfect prep. Um, like, man, I can't do a contest because my knee hurts. I can't do this. I can't do that because this, this is bothering me. There's not going to be a perfect scenario. There's not a perfect recipe. Um, you need to fall on your face. And so you might as well just, might as well just get ready and fall, and <laughs> fall, fall on your face. You kind of you need it. Mm -hmm. um, usually, a lot of times you'll hear people say uh, when they feel good and when everything's kind of going right, usually when they do a contest or do something, a lot of times something gets messed up and you sometimes hear the opposite of that too. Um, look at professional football, the NFL this year. Um, a lot of these teams have these big, big leads. And then a lot of these teams end up losing in the final minutes of the game because they have this big lead. They feel very comfortable with, with uh, what they have laid out for that day. And then they end up losing ground. The other team starts to pick up momentum. But again, it's because there's no, there's no specific recipe that's going to get you that victory. Each victory is going to look a little bit different. And there's going to be a lot of trial and error that happens uh, with everything that you do. Now, when it comes to like supplementation or when it comes to steroids, I think, you know, people, they invest so much time and so much effort into this and they get so negative about it. And it's a really hard conversation to have with people um, because they get such an uproar about it. All I'm ever trying to do, this is all I'm ever trying to do. I'm just trying to share the information as it happens. And I'm trying to share the information as it has unfolded for me. And then I'm relaying it to you. Uh, whether you like it or not, it's your own opinion. You're 
able to form it and you're able to post it on my Instagram, I guess. But um, it can be frustrating to see people uh, just try to automatically discredit something um, because of another thing, right? And you, you see it happen uh, quite a bit. But my suggestion to a lot of you guys out there and a lot of you girls out there is if you haven't really done something before um, or you don't have a lot of experience with it, there's kind of less to comment on. There's less to really talk about. There's less experience that you have with it. And I've said this before about being a vegan. I, I don't know anything about being vegan. So can I uh, stand up here and tell you that um, being vegan would be like detrimental to me and that I would lose all my strength, I'd lose all my gains? I don't have any idea because I've never done it before. I, I can make an I, I can have an educated guess towards it. And I can assume, oh man, without the types of protein sources and eating the meat and different things, I'm going to fall apart. I might assume that, but I haven't really done it before, so I don't really know. Hmm. Um, Rob Bailey seems to be doing pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people. There's guys that compete, um, there's guys that compete in bodybuilding that are vegan and they, and girls and they look mm -hmm. great, you know? So, you know, I don't, I don't know what to make of it because I never done it before mm -hmm. and I don't. You know, I can barely digest vegetables all that well just because I'm not used to them and I don't love to eat them. So mm -hmm. I don't eat them that much. And therefore my stomach's like, what is this that you're eating? Why is this thing green? Yeah. What's great about Rob is he pisses off a lot of people too. <laughs> so it's working. Yeah. I think he loves to get, loves to get that heat, you know, mm -hmm. he loves to get people uh, fired up and loves to get people a little bit upset. People have also lately been asking a lot about the keto diet and they're like, why aren't you keto anymore? Well, ladies and gentlemen, this just in, it's because the keto diet doesn't work. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Um, you know, a few, a few things about that. Um, it was very rare for me to do a full, a full blown, if we can handle that term, it was very rare for me to do a full blown ketogenic style diet. Although on occasion I've done it, um, on occasion you guys saw me tracking my ketones and things like that and. There's definitely been evidence that that is a um, disease-fighting uh, recipe. That is a disease-fighting uh, style of diet. And it could be even, in some regards, some people will view it as anti-aging. Um, and and I, I, I like that style of diet. Um, the, when, I, when I transferred over into doing a bodybuilding show, I said to myself, what's going to give me the best opportunity for success? Um, how many people have done a ketogenic diet and stand on stage and get first place? I was thinking like, maybe there's a few, but I don't really know who they are. And I ain't got a lot of time because we got eight weeks and I'm going to listen to my coach who is Hani Rambad, who he's a fan of the ketogenic style diet, but not for an eight week prep for a bodybuilding show. So I abandoned the ketogenic diet in favor of utilizing carbohydrates as my main primary source of fuel. Uh, during that time, once the, once the dot, once the, um, bodybuilding show was over, it probably actually would have made a lot of sense to transfer into a ketogenic style diet right then and there. Um, you know, as soon as I got like a couple cravings out of the way and stuff like that, but I chose not to, I chose to, um, have a little bit more freedom with my diet. And for me, I end up in these ridiculous conversations with myself, um, I'll sit there and like weigh out the pros and cons of eating a quest bar 
or eating a Quest cookie or um, having a protein shake and having some cereal or um, even just eating things slightly off, just having ketchup, Mm. you know, like, so uh, as I'm trying to make sense of all these things and as I'm thinking about, okay, you've been doing all this stuff for like 30 years um, on and off with different diets, on and off with different lifting programs but you've been very consistent for a very long time. Um, let's, uh, you know, quote unquote, weigh things out and let's see what, what all makes sense. Okay. I hop on the scale. I still weigh 240 pounds. I feel like I still look pretty good. I don't look the way I looked on stage. I probably gained a little fat. Um, I may have even lost a little muscle just because I'm, I'm training actually harder right now, uh, and training heavier, but I don't have the consistency with my food. I have to admit, um, I'm not dumping in the amount of protein that I was, uh, through, through food. So body composition probably changed, but you know what? Who gives a shit? You got to go through times when you lean and you got to go through times where you puff up a little Mm -hmm. bit. You got to go through times where you're doing more reps. You got to go through times where you're doing less reps. You have to, you have to change some things up from a mental aspect. Yeah. One of my favorite things that just happened. Uh, you were in the, uh, the break room staring at a quest bar or something. I don't remember what it was, but you're like, I'm just going to eat this because next week I'll be on some bullshit diet. <laughs> and uh, you mentioned that on the podcast, but mm-hmm. like I was there when you actually just genuinely said it and I just was cracking up cause I'm like, he's, he's, he's absolutely right. Yeah. And it's not like I'm not on a diet now. I actually wrote out like this list of foods, um, that I'm trying to stick to and stuff and, uh, there's still, you know, there's still some breakdowns. There's still some kinks, uh, here and there, mm-hmm. but the goal right now isn't really to be, uh, super lean. Um, I'm about to go get some blood work done coming up. So a lot of times I kind of allow that to dictate some things I'm about to make an announcement coming up that I'm going to have a lot of you guys join in with me on some, uh, diet shenanigans, we'll call mm-hmm. it for now. And, um, you know, I, I know that I'm going to, you know, work towards getting lean again. And the same thing is true with the strength. So when people make negative comments and they'll say, uh, man, you used to be so strong. Like, do you miss all that stuff? I don't miss any of it because I still feel really strong. I still lift heavy. Even if I lift, even if I lift three plates and a girl in our gym lifts three plates easier than me, I don't even really care about that. What I care about is, was it challenging for me? And does it make me feel better? You know, that's, that's why I'm lifting. I I lift for me and I lift to feel better. And sometimes I like lifting so much and sometimes lifting feels so good that it makes me feel worse because it's like an addiction. I, Mm. I, I go to it, go to it, go to it. And I keep getting my fix and I, I take too much, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, you know, it's it's too, too heavy of a dose sometimes. Right. And then you kind of feel like crap. But for me, it's, you know, it's all about, you know, hitting the lifts that I can lift for those particular days. I try to stay in my lane. I don't always do a good job of it. Um, but for right now, some of the goals are just to build muscle. Some of the goals are to kind of regain some strength. A huge goal is to, uh, make sure that some of these workouts are restorative, that I'm not getting hurt. I'm not further damaging some stuff. I've been kind of messing around with a little heavier weights here and there. And the elbow's been giving me some uh, negative feedback, but I've also been getting some muscle work done on that. And I've also, in the last couple workouts, have tailored the workouts enough to where the elbow's starting to uh, recover. So, 
Yeah, a lot of it's for me. And, and when people are talking about, you know, the old Mark or, you know, I, I haven't, I don't feel like I've changed. The only thing I feel that has changed for me is really my, uh, my bank account. I, I've, I got more money. So <laughs> I think some people are with that. And I, <laughs> Jessica's over there shaking her head. Some people are with that. And some people get freaked out by that. And yeah. some people are like, why would you say that, man? Why would you, you know, be, you know, uh, people used to get behind Pete Rubish. And I think people took on this thing of like, man, that's so cool. Like he's just like lifting in his basement and that's so raw. And he's like an 18 or 19 year old kid. So I think everybody realizes like all he really has is like this, this lifting thing. And he's probably in the basement somewhere of his parents' home. And here he is, some kid just graduated high school, probably not sure what he wants to do college wise, probably not sure of what direction he's going in, but he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> he doesn't care about the car he drives. He doesn't care about the brand of clothes he wears. All he cares about is getting down and lifting some heavy ass weight. And there's no one else in that garage with him. There's no one else in that basement with him. It's just a tumbling washer and dryer behind him. And everyone got all fired up and excited. And I, and I'm behind that too, but I still don't care. I am going to drive a nicer car probably every single year. I'm probably going to wear nicer clothes as much as I possibly can. I'm going to enjoy fancy food. I'm going to enjoy fancy restaurants. I'm going to enjoy doing some shit that maybe other people, uh, never get an opportunity to take advantage of, but I'm going to take advantage of all these things because this is the byproduct of a lot of the hard work that I put in and I've been in Pete Rubish's shoes before, but guess what? I still don't give a fuck. I love to train more than anything else. It's a, my favorite fucking thing to do is to throw around some heavy ass weight. I love to, to deadlift. I love to squat. I love to bench. I love the feel of it. I love the way it makes me feel. I love the, um, kind of the feeling that I get back from it, the feedback that I get back from it in some weird sadistic way. I love waking up the next day and going, holy shit, <laughs> that, that really fucked me up. That's how I uh, felt this morning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love the feeling of like not being able to open up your hands all the way. Cause you're like, you're, they're like crippled mm -hmm. cause you're squeezing on the bar so hard. I like not being able to open my eyes all the way. Cause they're just like, I don't know. They just feel so jacked up. I love not being able to get up and down my stairs. I still love all these things. These are still things that I love to do. And, uh, the money is just, it's just a byproduct of stuff. And so, you know, maybe at times I've talked about it too much or whatever, but again, what I've mentioned in the beginning of this podcast was all I'm doing is sharing things as they unfold for me. That's all I'm doing. And so you're, you're either with it or you're against it. But in terms of like the old Mark and the new Mark, there's not really an old or new. I've been the same person, uh, all the way through the, the only one, the one thing I've had to actually really change is how I treat people because I used to just treat people just the way anybody else would treat people. And I used to just, I used to mess around with people a lot more, but I can't do that anymore because in people's eyes, I've turned into a different person, even though I still feel the same, but what I say to somebody or how I treat somebody, I am very cautious of because I, I might be something different to somebody at a particular time in their life. Maybe I'm somebody's mentor, or maybe I'm somebody's friend, or maybe, maybe it's just somebody passing through the gym and they, they just, I don't know, they put me up on a pedestal and mm -hmm. they think I'm something great and, uh, I'm rude to them. And I, I like, I could hurt their feelings. I can make them pissed. 
um, whatever. So that's the only thing that I've, I've actually changed. And that does end up changing a bunch of things. Um, it changes the dynamics of, you know, how I get to kind of play and mess around the gym. I can mess around and I can play, but, uh, you know, there has to be a little caution because I, I, I have hurt people in the past. I've said things to people in the past and I've realized that is not, that is not a good way to go because I, if I was, you know, if you're, if you're, uh, if you're 35, 40 years old and you've had some jobs and you've had some life experiences, that's kind of a different thing. But if you're a younger person and, uh, you know, you're, you get somebody older kind of takes a dump on you, it doesn't <laughs> feel good, you know? So I have tried to eliminate as much of that as possible. And, and it's, and it's for that reason. So that's the only thing where go ahead and talk to like Juan or talk to some of these guys that have been in the gym before. And if I ever made it, made fun of anybody like more recently in here and, and you went and bitched to someone like Juan, he'd laugh in your face. He'd be <laughs> like, dude, like you don't have any idea. Mark used to rip all of us apart all the time. That was also a different time for me too. That was also my competitive powerlifting years, uh, where I was, uh, you know, slugging it out and being competitive with everybody in the gym. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes somebody would lift a weight and, um, you know, just cause I felt like it, I might not even be deadlifting that day, but I saw someone had, you know, seven plates on there or something and they missed it. I might go over there and do it for like three reps. And I was not even planning on doing any deadlifts for the day just cause I wanted to be a jerk. And just cause I, <laughs> you know, I wanted to kind of like bitch slap somebody, you know, yeah. but I, you know, I don't, ha- I don't really do that anymore and I don't have to do it anymore. Mm, but you're really good at it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's fun. You bust all our balls pretty good. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely, it, you know, that's, it's part of it, you know, to me, it's always been part of it. I, you know, had growing up to having two older brothers and just kind of living where I lived. Like just, that's what, you know, that's what everybody does is we all, you know, tease each other and make fun of each other and, and all this different kind of stuff. And kind of, kind of back on this, uh, track of, you know, the old Mark Bell or the fat Mark Bell or whatever you want to say, um, I think a lot of people don't also realize is like, I was only like that for a short period of time. It was like a five or six year span, um, where I was just, you know, I just said, you know what, screw it. I'm going all in. I'm going to get as big and as strong as I possibly can for powerlifting. And I, you know, pushed everything to the limit as much as I could. Now, how long am I going to do that for? And at what price, you know, what price am I going to pay? Um, and for who? Right. So, uh, I mentioned earlier, it's for me, right? What well, some point you get lost in all these things. And I tell people, you know, um, people that want to be better, people that want to be great at something. I try to share with people all the time, be careful of it because it's a trap. It's a huge trap and you can lose yourself in it and trying to be great can be maddening and it can be disruptive. It could lead to um, really, really negative and devastating things. And you gotta, you gotta be kind of cautious as you go through that process, because you might be interfering and affecting and hurting, uh, people around you. And you might be damaging relationships and all kinds of things. There are all kinds of things suffer, uh, through you trying to, um, put so much focus on getting stronger, put so much focus on driving your business forward. And we talked yesterday a lot with Gavin Murphy, about how he thought he was driving his business forward. And he realized, you know what, that's kind of bullshit. I'm just, you know, I, I, I'm trying to claim that I'm working and that it's for our family. 
And he was like, you know what? It's not really, it's not really that detrimental that I work, um, you know, from 4 a.m. till 5 p.m. And then when I get home, I hang out with everybody for 20 minutes. And then from six o'clock or whatever it is Mm -hmm. until I go to bed, now I'm, you know, working again. And I try to claim that it's for the family, for the sake of the family. Like I'm doing it for all of us. We're going to make more money and we're going to move into a nicer home and, and all these things. And if you slow down for a second, you can realize I could still have the nicer home. My Mm -hmm. wife can still drive the nicer car. I don't need to panic. I need to be consistent and I need to, uh, continue to do a lot of the good, positive things that I do on a daily basis. And I need to figure out how to prioritize my time a little bit better. Yeah. That was huge when he said that, because I've said that too many times. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. say that right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've it, said it before myself. It's yeah. just, it's just hard. Cause like if, if it was like, if I was still doing freelance or whatever, like I, I would say that like every day Yeah, <laughs> and it, it not that it made more sense then than it does now, but at least then it was like, okay, I need to bust my ass because I'm the only one, you know, if, if I don't do this, then this sink, this yeah. ship does sink. Yeah. And then now it's sort of like, well, fuck, if I don't bust my ass, then I'm just going to stay in the same spot. So like, I need to keep going. Right. But just like hearing him say it, it was like, like just one of those things where somebody's saying something not directed at you. But it's like, oh shit, he's looking right at me, telling me, yeah, well, <laughs> stop doing what I'm doing. I don't know his private business, you know, but you got the sense that his uh, relationship was, we'll just say, disrupted, right? Mm-hmm. You got the sense, you got the sense there that his relationship with uh, his wife was was it got messed up, you mm-hmm. know, in in the shuffle, right? And um, I I don't know, man, people just. I know divorce is really common and I know that, you know, these things happen uh, a lot, but I, I think sometimes it's like, you know, if, if that is going to happen, make sure it's a, a more natural path. Make sure it's not something that you like forced because you weren't listening to somebody or, you know, as he said, his wife just wanted to be heard. Like that's, that's some really powerful stuff. Yeah. Like me, well, shit, man, maybe you should fucking listen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And he did, you know, so like that's the definition of being a man to me. Like he heard his responsibility. He heard what she had to say and he went and decided to do something about it. Mm -hmm. He went through those courses and stuff and it sounded like those were really, really hard and really difficult to do. But that's, that's what we, as men and as women, as you become an adult, these are the things you need to take charge of and things you need to take uh, responsibility of it's the, it's the most important thing, you know, at Damon's wedding, you know, I shared with him like the most, your most important job, yeah, you're in the military and it's very honorable. It's awesome. Um, but your most important job is to, to be a good husband to mm-hmm. your wife. That's it. That's where everything starts. And then, and then everything can kind of funnel in after that, but there's gotta be a starting point. And how much nicer is it to do things together? It just makes everything easier. Mm-hmm. You know, you go home, have a conversation with your girl and you say, you know, I, I really wanted to try to like, uh, you know, get in better shape. I want to start kind of eat this way. And she's like, you know what? I'm down with that. Me too. Mm-hmm. It's like, damn. Okay. Well now this, this will be, this will be a lot easier having somebody help or, you know, kind of be along for there for the ride. Hey, yeah. let's go on more walks or whatever it might be. Yeah. I know there's a, there was a good point where, um, me, my girlfriend and our daughter was, like, we were all eating, um, monster mash, like almost every meal. It was, Doing the monster mash. Yeah, it was great. But then when uh, we were doing like basically show prep, you know, eating nothing but chicken, she was doing the same thing mm. too. 
And then even if she wasn't interested in eating it, she would still make mine and then make something else yeah. for herself. It's great. So it was, yeah, without that, I wouldn't have been able to make the progress that I've made so far. But um, what I was going to say about Gavin was like, he was man enough to step back and be like, okay, I need to, I need to fix myself because I'm the one messing it up. It's not, it's not my wife. Yeah. And a lot of dudes won't do that. She doesn't understand, bro. <laughs> uh, it's really hard. Yeah. It's really hard to, you know, have that perspective. And, right. um, you know, it's, uh, it's hard, it's hard to recognize that it's you. Like we were talking uh, before the podcast started and, uh, we said that, uh, D Doug Fouché, when he was on the podcast, he said, <laughs> his mom said, uh, no matter where you go, there you are, Doug. And, uh, basically he was trying to run away from his problems. He went from New Mexico to Los Angeles and he just, the problems kind of seemed to, uh, follow him around. Right. Mm -hmm. Or at least that's what he thought. And, uh, then he read, then his mom, you know, laid it out to him straight. Like you're, you know, no, you're, <laughs> you're the problem. Mm -hmm. And as you start to think about, you know, things you see on social media, the things you hear in the press, um, somebody might get really upset about the president. Somebody might get really upset about a decision or a law that was passed, or, uh, they get upset about the times, you know, um, they, they get, they get so fired up about these different things. And, and none of those things really actually impact you all that much. Um, the, uh, seventies were similar to the eighties, the eighties were similar to the nineties and the nineties were you know, like, I understand there's a lot of differences. Um, but, uh, there's a lot, there's a, probably a lot more similarities than there are differences and how much are you going to be impacted by these changes and by, uh, having a Republican in office or a Democrat, it's going to really, uh, not affect you all that much. I mean, there's some people right now are probably flipping out because they're like, well, what about healthcare? And what, but <laughs> it's just cause you got the wrong perspective, you got the wrong mindset. You know, I've talked before on this podcast about asking somebody, you say, Hey, you know, um, you know, if I, if I ask somebody, Hey, what do you want to get from this job? Right. And it, well, it's really important on what they say, right? Like how, how detailed are they going to get? You know, one of the things you told me is that y you want to be able to help impact the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a huge statement, right? And it's a very general statement, but also in some ways it's very specific. <laughs> it's like, well, shit, man, like, sounds like this guy's along for like a big ride because that ain't going to happen in a day. Now, it's certainly not going to happen in a week or a year. And it, it, it would take, you know, it might take us a few years to really have a large impact. You know, we're having some impact now and we hear some great comments from mm -hmm. people. Uh, but that's pretty, you know, that's pretty specific and that's pretty like well thought out, you know? Um, and what if you ask somebody, Hey, like, what's your dream car? And they're like, well, you know, well, I, you know what? I, I don't know. I'd, I'd love to just get like a Ford Escape because that'd be a great <laughs> car for me and my family. And you're like, well, that's not the fucking question. I'm not talking about like what you can, what's affordable. That's a wrong, your mind's already settling in on, on, on something that's, that has nothing to do with the question. The question is, you know, what is your favorite car? What's your dream car? What would you like, what would you like to have? And the sad thing is, is even if you were to drop that in somebody's lap, they wouldn't even be able to handle it. They wouldn't be able to even pay for the damn gas or get the insurance <laughs> or, or get the car fixed, you know, like uh tire blows out on some, 
fancy car, it's like, you know, good, good luck, uh, mm-hmm. you know, figuring out how to fix the damn tire on some of these, uh, crazy cars, you know, but again, it's, it's the perspective, you know, how are you going to get there? And a lot of times you're going to get there by being positive. You're going to get there by continuing to work hard. You're going to get there by all the things we always talk about on here. And it seems like we always circle back to all these concepts, right? Mm-hmm. But the consistency is going to be a huge part of it. Um, not allowing other people to drag you down. People that aren't fueling what you do, you need to figure out, you know, where to put them in your life. You don't always have the option to, uh, kick everybody out, but a lot of people tend to complain and they don't have a solution to things. If you don't feel comfortable in your current job and you don't like the situation that you're in, start to think about some possible ways that you can change it. I've advised many people, uh, I've advised, advised many people that have trained in this gym just to go into work the next day and to fucking quit. And a few mm-hmm. people have actually done it <laughs> and to, and to change jobs and to look for something new and look for something different. My dad has always taught me, um, and I haven't really had to actually do this, but I still do it in a different way. I guess my dad's always said, you should always be looking for another job. And it's like, man, that, that's, a kind of a sad statement in some ways, but also a very secure one. Like you should always kind of be thinking of something else or what's next or what if, um, I mean, this sucks, but like, what if Andy and I fucking died, (laughs) you know, like what, like then, you know, we just saw the situation happen with Kuyu. Mm -hmm. Like, man, my job's secure. I work for a great guy. And then, right. Like, ah, like that's so devastating so incredibly sad it's heartbreaking but at the same time you have to figure out you can there's no there's no excuses you have to figure out a way kind of past everything and um you got to be prepared for stuff you know you, you watch a football game and you say um the uh the play the philadelphia eagles ran in the super bowl at, to score a touchdown and to ultimately beat the new england patriots um they were prepared for every situation Patriots never seen that play. And there's a big reason why I never seen it is because the, uh, Philadelphia Eagles, they, they ran it in their hotel (laughs) when there was nobody around. They didn't run it on any practice fields anywhere ever. There's no tape of it. There's no nothing of it. There's no, there's no recording of it. It's a play from high school that they took. Belichick couldn't film it. Belichick couldn't film it. No one could ever see it. And, but they were prepared. Now a situation came up in the game and they're like, boom, there's our play. And it's, and it's game over from there and they ran the play and, and, uh, and that was that. And you need to have your own, your own special play for these kind of occasions that pop up, um, in your, in your kind of day to day. Let me get back on track here again. And, uh, you know, as, Hmm. as I was talking about, you know, so there's gotta be a transition, right? I can't just be the same person, um, forever. I can't, I weighed 330 pounds. I compromised my health. Who knows how much. I guess time will tell. Um, you know, I, I got as big and as strong as I could possibly handle. I lifted all the weights I ever wanted to lift. The 600 pound bench uh, that people ask about quite often, um, that is uh, a thing of the past. And I'm, there's no reason to uh, say never because who knows? Uh, who knows where my strength will go or, or what wild hair will come out of my butt or whatever. <laughs> um, but uh, that, that, that 600 pound bench was kind of a greedy thing that popped up later on. I, 
I did a 525 pound bench sort of out of nowhere in a training session one day and it just flew up. And, uh, I benched over 550 already at that point, And I was like, Hmm, I, you know, that felt really good. I, I think maybe, maybe I could make a run for a 600 pound bench. And so I started messing around with it, but it was after I was already retired from powerlifting and, um, I already had claimed to kind of hang it up. And then I tried to make some other runs at it. And what happened? Uh, I failed several times. I've actually missed, uh, 600 pounds, probably two or three times. Uh, well, only once in a meet, but I've missed it at least two or three times. In addition to that, uh, in, in the gym, that, that weight and, and then some, um, and I've hurt myself with that weight, uh, many times. So when do you stop? You know, when do you, when do you kind of call it in? When do you just say, Hey, you know what? Enough's enough. And, uh, for me, I had to, uh, I had to really, you know, I had to really start to focus on some different things. So it just didn't make any sense anymore. Like you're not going to get a different result anymore. And so you need to, you need to reevaluate. And so for me, it wasn't even a matter of, um, of like giving up or quitting. I was trying, I, I tried to come back probably about a third time. I would say, uh, one time it was a peck. Another time it was the elbow. And I was in the middle of training and I was benching 465 for a few sets of six reps with a pause. And it was, they were all really clean reps and I was feeling really strong, but on a scale of one to 10, my elbow hurt at like a 10, Damn. you know, it was just, it was just, it was just killing me. And I, and I went through a few sets of it and I was like, you know what, this makes, doesn't make any sense. This is uh, it's not 500 pounds. It's certainly not 600 pounds. This is just a training session and I am in so I'm in such excruciating pain and I'm pissed. Like I'm pissed off. I'm angry. I'm mad. Um, and I was mad almost every training session, every Thursday when it was time to bench, cause I was frustrated cause my elbow hurt. I went to the doctors. I tried to have them examine what was wrong many times over. They never found anything. They never really found anything that was like, Hey, if we do a, then B and C can happen. And I never really found anything like that. So um, I had to make the decision to, to make some changes. And at the time I was a little fluffier. I was probably about 290 pounds or so, mm -hmm. 280 pounds, somewhere in that range. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. I'm, I'm big. Um, I'm too big to kind of like live out the rest of my life this way. Uh, and I can't do what I want to do. I, I'm, uh, it's not even a matter of like how bad I want it. I want to do it. Um, I was disabled. My arm wasn't working. I don't know what was wrong with it. Never really got the answer. And, uh, so therefore I made a call and mm -hmm. said, Hey, you know what? Time to move on. Now, most people, you know, a lot of people on Instagram, a lot of people on YouTube, some people find that inspirational in some ways, because you know, you do have to have a time in your life where you do make the right call. Um, you do have to have a time where you pivot, you got to pivot off of different things. I pivoted off of uh, when I fell with 1,085 and, you know, that was a time in my life where I thought powerlifting was done. And so I did the same thing. Then I dropped some weight. I realized it wasn't in the cards for me to push any further. If I did what people often refer to as double or quit, which is a move. A lot of people do in business. Even if I doubled my efforts, I would probably only get half the result. So it's like, that doesn't make any sense. That's going to be pulling too much time away from my family. That's going to be too painful for me to go through any of that. And it no longer makes sense. 
everybody's goals change at a certain point in their life. If you, um, if your goal is to make a hundred thousand dollars a year, what happens when you actually do your goals change? You know, mm -hmm. if your goal is to bench press 300 pounds, what happens when you actually bench it? If your goal is to deadlift 300 pounds, what happens when you actually pull it? Right. <clears throat> your goals are going to always change. Um, sometimes they're going to change because you did something. Sometimes they're going to change because you were met with so much, so much resistance that you couldn't figure it out anymore and you had to move on to something else. And so that's what I did. And I started to lose weight, started to get in better shape. And uh, some of the bodybuilding stuff came around. But a lot, all these things, there's not an old Mark Bell and a new Mark Bell. It's all, it's all the same shit. I haven't, I haven't changed anything. Um, some of the things that, um, some of the ways that Super Training Gym was, um, are different, you know, it's, it's different when, when the gym is as nice as it is. And it's different when the gym is, is set up with everything that you have. And you don't you, like back in the day, we didn't always have everything that we needed. So we'd have to kind of improvise. We had to train with each other a lot more. You know, you see, um, on a typical super training, uh, training session day, you'll see maybe six, you know, five or six groups going. And, um, not everybody's even really doing the same thing. But back years ago, we had to have 15 or 20 people basically all doing the same thing. And the most amount of groups that we could have is like two or three. And everybody was in a much more confined space. And so um, you knew each other a little bit better. You were on top of each other's workouts a little bit better. You learned a little bit more about each other's weights and stuff. But those are also just different times in general. Like we were wearing powerlifting gear. And so... You wouldn't be able to do a squat without two side spotters and somebody running the monolift. Every single workout for every single rep and every single set that you ever did, that's what you needed. And so one group of guys would go, there'd be about three or four people in a group. And then the next group of guys, um, and while, while that group was going, a group of people would help and then it would rotate and you'd be in the gym for hours and you certainly get to know each other, uh, quite a bit. And so the dynamics were different, but things change. People change. Powerlifting has changed. The goals of powerlifters have, has changed dramatically. Um, everybody used to be a super heavyweight back in the day. Sounds like the name of a book. <laughs> <laughs> everybody, everybody was a super heavyweight back in the day. It's really rare to see super heavyweights now in powerlifting. Mm -hmm. um, back when Donnie Thompson was, uh, was hitting some big weights, there was probably about 10 or 12 guys that were just like him. That were hitting these massive weights. I mean, these were some really, really strong, really strong people. Andy Bolton, Gary Franks. I mean, the list goes on and on. And but all the goals of of not just those guys necessarily, but the goals of power lifters in general and this new generation of power lifters that have come along, which by the way has been inspired by Super Training Jim. You go back and you can watch the evolution of Stan Efforting. Um, he was a huge part of it. I, I'd have to credit Dan Green with some of that as well, but people recognizing like, oh, I don't have to be big and fat to move some big weights. And it started to change the sport and a lot of the goals and a lot of, uh, what people were striving for really changed a lot. What was it like for you when, uh, you saw, uh, powerlifting going from geared to raw? Raw. Raw. Um, that was a, uh, pretty crazy, uh, time. It was, it was, um, it was interesting to kind of watch it start to unfold. But as I started to kind of watch it, I, I started to understand it a little bit better. And I immediately started to kind of like follow suit. You know, mm -hmm. I was like, 
it's kind of like boxing, you know, boxing was around and, and people wore these padded gloves and they fought with these certain set of rules. And then MMA came along, hmm. you know, and, and now finally now, like some MMA guys sometimes make boxing money, but it's pretty rare. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, I mean, you know, boxing is still, is even though it's not as popular, maybe in the U S it's still popular, still has a huge appeal worldwide, but you know, I saw the writing on the wall and it was making sense and, and, uh, people were getting more excited about the raw, raw powerlifting movement. Um, I always liked being in shape. I always liked being strong. Um, as I was talking about a little bit earlier, you know, that fat period of mine was only for five or six years, my full fatness. And, uh, Hmm. also like something that people don't realize after every competition, I'd always bring my weight back down and it was always with a ketogenic style diet. So, the keto diet's not new for me. It's not something that I abandon. Um, I will bring it back. Um, it'll be back into play probably actually pretty soon here, uh, in a little bit, just to kind of reset everything. I always think it's a good diet for that, but I'd always manipulate my weight. I'd always bring things up and down and I was always trying to change things. And when it came to the raw power of thing movement coming in, you know, I was already pretty strong raw. So I was like, oh, this will be really cool. It'd be kind of fun to kind of see where my strength is at. And as I started, you know, the deadlift was fine. Deadlift felt good. Um, the bench was always strong. It was just a matter of figuring out how to squat. And the squat mm-hmm. form and technique is much different mm-hmm. with uh, power thing gear on as opposed to, you know, just being raw. The movement pattern is different. The, the way that you do the lift is different. Um, the sequencing of the lift is a little different. And so that that became kind of hard to uh, figure out and to transi- transition into. Yeah, I will say, because when I met you, you were a little fluffier, <laughs> we'll say. Mm-hmm. But fluffy Mark didn't smell any worse than current Mark. Mm-hmm. I remember being kind of like, hey, this guy's big. He doesn't smell at all. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember looking back, I remember that was something I, I said to myself, like, he's a big dude, but he doesn't stink. He, his name is Smelly, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was like, maybe that's why he, like, shakes extra... Uh, time and preparation to make sure he doesn't smell yeah you gotta get rid of you gotta (laughs) you gotta get rid of that stink back to the baby wipes yeah (laughs) well that that could have been a huge part of it yeah anyway i mean that pretty much uh sums up a lot of that stuff and you know i just it's just some of the comments i see you know people asking about the 600 pound bench and people Mm -hmm. asking about old mark and this and that and you know i am happy and excited and proud of uh some of the success and I try to share some of that with people too and share with people the story and then people are all upset about that they're like that's all you ever talk about is being (laughs) inspirational and motivational and um again I'm just I'm sharing things in my life as they unfold and uh I'm sharing the things that kind of come to me you know as as they come my way and I'm sharing information with people I think it's just going to sometimes take people a little bit of time to, to kind of see the message that I'm giving out. And as I do it more consistently, I think people will, you know, get on board with it more and more. Yeah. You've said it before and, and it actually, it genuinely makes me sad, but like people will get it when I'm gone (laughs) Yeah, and it's fucking, it's true. Yeah, And I hate even Mm -hmm. thinking about that, but you know, exactly what you just said right now. It's like, yeah, they'll get it when I'm gone. Hmm. Um, somebody asked, is ego the biggest obstacle when training? Um, I, you know, I don't know if it's like just an ego thing necessarily, but, um, 
yeah, you can get, you can get caught up in your own shit. You know, you can get mm-hmm. caught up in, um, yeah, I'm getting really good at bench. And so I, you know, I want to bench more, you know, it's really good to have that kind of confidence and success, um, want to kind of take over, um, you need to figure out ways of getting appropriate weights on the bar. And so if you do a set and it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel the way that you want it to feel, uh, then you got to lower the weight. And that's a, that's a, that's not an easy thing to do. Um, something that I'm trying to do is I'm trying to find a weight that's appropriate for what it is I'm doing for the day. Mm-hmm. And then I'm trying to kind of stay there for a set or two and sometimes even three, but being a little older um, it's a little harder for me to kind of stay in those rep ranges for too long. So kind of, for example, yesterday when we did our deadlifts, I did about three sets of five with four or five. Now that's not any sort of earth shattering deadlift by any means, but in, in collaboration with everything that we've been doing, mm-hmm. um, it was an appropriate weight for the day and it felt good. And I didn't, I didn't jack myself up, you know, so you know, we did like 16 sets or something like that of back and we went yeah. pretty nuts on it. The only easy exercise we did was a lat pull down. And that was actually kind of hard too, just cause we were already jacked up from everything else. Yeah. And, uh, and then we proceeded to go into the deadlift, you know, as, as kind of the final movement. And, um, yeah, it was, it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't easy, but you know, ha- setting your ego aside and, and not allowing it to kind of creep in. Uh, for some of those things is important, but you also kind of need that switch. You know, if you don't have that switch to kind of turn it up when it's time to turn it up and you don't have that uh, game day kind of feel, um, you know, a lot of people don't perform very well when they, when they get into a competition setting. Mm-hmm. And um, I always felt the opposite. Like I would just train and I would just like lift and I learned from a, from a time I was young, you know, I used to train like a real maniac. And then I had some other people slow me down and say, Hey, that's not the way we train. And so my training more recently, I've had to kind of push a little harder and have it be a little bit different. Um, but, uh, you know, from, from the time I was young, it was like, you know, that I kind of learned like it, it, you can't, you can't push yourself so hard that it impede, it impedes, uh, future workouts. Mm-hmm. So you got to be kind of, you got to be a little cautious of what you do. More recently, I've been, you know, we've been hammering ourselves again and, and beat the shit out of ourselves, but mm-hmm. the weights are different. You know, they're not always uh, real heavy. Sometimes it's drop sets or supersets, which is just a way different, <clears throat> way different, uh, style of training, but, um, you know, a way that, a way to control your ego is to do what we did is to bang out tons and tons of sets of something else before you get to that ego lift yeah it's all like we, we talked about it today about our uh workout tomorrow like do we kill ourselves and then bench or do we just kill ourselves like in, in bench you know first right i mean me being the younger person who hasn't lifted any crazy weights mm-hmm. i want to just use all the energy and bench <laughs> as heavy as i can right thankfully i have you to be like hold on let's (laughs) let's do this the right way yeah Um, i mean if you look at it too like without even really concentrating on your bench we've improved your bench without even really concentrating on your deadlift we improved your deadlift mm -hmm. um you've been putting concentration into uh your physique by the by the foods that you're eating and that's that's like the one thing that if you're not directly focused on it then you really won't get a change because it's uh it's such a 24 hour 
process. You know, it's like yeah. the sleep, any extra exercise you're able to get, it's all, it's all a big, it's all a big part of it, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, it, it's just, um, with the, uh, the, the type of lifting that we're doing, it's very specific. It's for a specific reason. We're trying to, um, you know, we're trying to stimulate muscle growth. We're trying to get stronger as well, but it makes a lot of sense for us to, um, on occasion, um, you know, do something to pre-exhaust or do something to pre-fatigue going into the main you know, the main lift because, you know, neither one of us have a power of the meet scheduled, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so it's not like, it's not like we have to put everything we have into the main lift. And the other thing too, is even for a power lifter, this would be a great way for a power lifter to train because I think a lot of power lifters don't always understand a lot of the coaches out there, even though don't understand, um, that you don't need to be as strong as possible right now. Mm-hmm. You only need to be as strong if you're a competitive powerlifter. You only need to be as strong as possible when it's time to go, when it's time to compete. Right. As the contest is getting closer. So, you know, even O'Hearn's kind of theory of like 10 to 1, you know, when he's at his leanest, he can do something for a one rep max that he can normally do for a 10 rep max when he's bulked up. Hmm. Now, O'Hearn is, you know, genetically mutated and you can say whatever else you want about him too. Um, but, but it's a good, it's a good reference point and it's good that he understands that's how his body feels and that's what he responds well to. And as you go through this process and as you lift for a long time, you're going to start to learn how you feel, but you don't always have to have your bench doesn't always have to be within a hundred percent of your bench. You know, you don't have to always have, mm -hmm. you know, if you deadlift 300 pounds, you don't always have to be able to deadlift 300 pounds on any given day. Yeah. And I just want to address this one because I had the exact same um, like thought process as Mr. Jimbo here on the uh, the text chat, but he's saying that he has to work on his uh, the lift that he struggles with the most first, so he's not fatigued. So like on a bench day, I used to think that I had to bench first to use, exert all my energy on that one movement because that's the only way I'm going to get strong. Yeah. But now training with you. My bench day actually starts yesterday working on my back. Mm -hmm. Like that didn't make any sense to me in the beginning, but now it does. So on a day like tomorrow, we might not actually bench first, yeah. but that doesn't mean that it's not helping my bench. It just right. means I'm getting stronger right now to eventually bench more next week, maybe. Right. And the fastest way to, to improve your bench press is to gain weight. You know, hmm. um, I realize not everybody wants to make the sacrifice to get fat. But, you know, in eight weeks from now, if whoever's listening to this show right now, um, eight weeks from now, you weighed 10 more pounds, you weighed, you were 10 pounds heavier and you did it the best way you could through healthy foods. And you're going to have to have some bullshit food in there too, um, in order to gain that kind of weight, you're gonna have to throw down some pizza and some ice cream and stuff. Mm. You'll gain some strength on your bench. Mm -hmm almost regardless of the pro i mean you have to actually train you have to actually lift weights <laughs> Wait, but, what? Hold on. but almost regardless <laughs> of what style of training that you do you'll gain some strength on your bench now maybe that's not the most productive thing to do or the healthiest thing to do mm -hmm. so you got to start to try to figure out some other things but you're absolutely correct building up your back building up your arms we did reverse grip bench the other day and andrew's like oh man i can feel like my arms are like rubbing in on my sides and that's the sensation that you should get when you're doing an actual regular bench press, because you should be pulling those elbows in so hard mm -hmm. 
that they are, you know, kind of getting connected to your sides or coming into your sides. Now, you can also tuck your elbows in too hard, but Andrew's normal bench form is, is kind of a moderate grip. Uh, so his grip is not out real wide. Now, if your mm-hmm. grip is out real wide and you tuck the elbows in really hard, it's possible that your elbow goes way inside of where your wrist is, and that's not uh, necessarily great technique for the bench either. But all the point is, is all the different movements that we're doing, they're turning into something. These deadlifts that we're doing after doing all these uh, lat exercises, it's such a more effective lat movement after we already got the lats pumped up. Now, now it's a static lat pull, basically, mm-hmm. is what it is, with some hips, with some hips in there, you know. And so, it's uh. And then we did some of the rowing with the uh, sled too afterwards, which was brutal. But um, you don't have to. You don't have to do anything. You can train whatever way that you want. There's not a have to. There's, there's a lot of stuff that still people don't really understand. Um, Eric Spoto, many other lifters who have had huge benches. Um, they do like pyramid type stuff, uh, until they get to the max weight. Um, I know some guys who would use sets of 10 all the way up. They'll do 135, 185, 225, 275, 315. They're doing 10 reps a pop. And they're like, okay, now the warm-up's done. Now it's time to, you know, get into the main stuff. And Spoda would take 405 and do it for 25 reps. And then he would take uh, four or he'd take uh, five plates and do it for like 12 reps. And he'd Jeez. just keep going. And he'd chop the reps in half each set. And he'd keep adding more and more weight. And he'd end up with like 585 for a set of four or a set of three. And it's like, what? It's like, that doesn't make any sense at all to bang out a set of 25 first. <laughs> Like what, I mean, what, like, you know, if we, if we squatted, right. Mm-hmm. And let's say you squatted 135 for 25 reps. What's next? The bar? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, you're going to be dead. I'm toast. You know, well, here's this guy, you know, he conditioned himself so well over the years that he was able to actually put on more weight after he did his like super high rep set. And it just goes to show you, there's not really, there's not, I mean, other than like lifting with, uh, crappy form and having heavy weights on the bar there's really no there's no wrong way of doing it you can even lift the weight with really bad form as long as the weight is appropriate Mm. uh and and as long as you understand what you're doing you know Mm -hmm. having both your knees cave in on a squat's not a great idea um with a max weight but if you did it with 30 percent of your weight and you can explain to me why you're doing it then i might say hey you know what Mm, you're kind of onto something Cause somebody might say, well, you know what? My knees cave in anyway when I squat. And so at the bottom of my squat, I actually pause at the bottom. I bring the knees in slightly a little bit. I round my back and then I come up out of the bottom. Sounds insane. But if somebody said, Hey, you know what? I do that with 65 pounds or I do that with 95 pounds. And I'd say, okay, I can see that makes sense. You're trying, you're finding the area uh, that your body's trying to default to who knows why right? Your body defaults to this crazy positioning. And then you're able to still make the lift. You're trying to go over these speed bumps enough. So the speed bumps aren't there anymore. And you're trying to smooth them out. And you're, you're trying to work some muscles that, you know, they only get worked when you do max weights. Mm -hmm. The problem is when you do max weights, how many times do those things get worked? Like if you did, if you did a max deadlift, let's just say you went all out and you went from a three for 300 pound deadlift today. Um, and let's say that you, you hit it, you know, the way that your muscles get worked from that one lift 
only happened one time. Now, if I can say, okay, I saw the way you deadlifted the 300 pounds, you turned into a fishing rod (laughs) (laughs) and your hips were underneath you and your back got round and your arms got all crazy long. I'd say, okay, let's have you deadlift 185 with that same form. I want you to do it for set of 10. Mm. So now you think about it and you're like, okay, I went through that 10 times as opposed to going through the other thing once. Um, now somebody listening is like, well, it's not the same thing. Cause it's a, yeah, okay. <laughs> Everybody just relax. Now, what if we put a tempo to it? You know? Okay. Andrew from the bottom of this lift, I want you to shoot your hips up. You're going to pull the weight. I want you to do a gradual pull. I want the lift to take five seconds on the way up and five seconds on the way down. Well, now by the time you get to rep number three, that 185 pounds is starting to feel like 300. Mm-hmm. It's not going to all register in your nervous system the same way, but what we're doing is in, in one, on one spectrum, we're training the muscular system. On the other spectrum, we're training the nervous system. When we're hitting those big weights and we're doing those one rep maxes, that's good. Your, these, these things, they do, uh, they do intersect, of course. Um, but just to kind of demonstrate these sets of 10 that you're doing much slower are going to train more of your muscles. The next day, you're going to be like, oh my God, all the muscles in my back are sore, which is way different than if I had you do, let's say your max deadlift is 300 pounds. If I had to do, a, um, if I had to do five sets of one rep with 275 pounds, um, the next day you wouldn't really be really sore, but you'd be like, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I am so tired. <laughs> I just, I'm dead. Mm-hmm. I slept for 10 hours last night and I ate more food this morning than I've ever eaten in my life. That's your nervous system being like, dude, Mm -hmm. I don't know what happened or what you did, but we don't like it. (laughs) We're shutting down. Yeah. Yeah. We need, we need some help. We need to call some backup. Dude. Yeah. I've woken up. I've yeah. Feeling that way. Just like, oh, it's just not working. I I'm not, I'm not moving at all. Jesse Burdick just popped in here on the, uh, on the thingy over here on the Instagrams. I'm going to take some uh, questions here. I don't know if you have uh, your Instagram over there, too. I had it, and my phone was being lame. Um, not lame. <laughs> uh, remember how I was telling you about I, I set uh, time limits for screen time and stuff? So it, it went off, and I just turned it off. Oh, no. I know. It backfired on me. This guy said he enjoyed our YouTube videos leading up to the bodybuilding show. Thank you so much. Somebody said, are you serious? But I don't know what they were talking about. <laughs> um, Did you tell Jesse Burdick to just go eat some cheesecake? I should. Jesse Burdick, go eat some cheesecake. <laughs> uh, we didn't talk about that on the podcast, right? No, we have not. Let's see. Uh, oh, these guys are just, they're kind of like just, somebody got some questions for me. You can throw a couple questions out and we'll take uh, a few questions before we uh, head on out of here. Real quick. Somebody was asking how to um, help with uh, training a girlfriend mm. in lifting, not uh, anything mm. weird. Mm. I mean- we can get into weird stuff, but uh, just advice on trying to, uh, where'd it go? Train with your significant other. I lost it. Okay. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. Uh, let's see. This guy says, uh, front delt pain in the bottom of the bench press. All right, buddy. We're going to answer that in just a second. Front delt pain in the bottom of the bench press. Um, so training as we've talked about many times on the podcast, we've had women on here um, and we've had expert trainers and coaches and all kinds of different people. Uh, training women, is really not all that different than training men. 
And we've had a lot of people talk about that. Now, some of the differences are that women can usually just handle more than guys can. Sorry, guys. Um, women can usually handle more sets. Um, they are uh, typically neurologically inefficient, which just means that um, they're able to, they're not, they are normally, uh, they normally cannot tap into their nervous system as effectively as a male lifter. This is in general, sorry, ladies, I know there's some ladies that are explosive, but this is in general well, what we've seen. And so therefore, uh, sometimes when you add a couple pounds to a girl's lift, sometimes they'll just flat out miss it. They'll make a lift. It'll be easy. And the next lift, boom, they miss it. And you're like, huh? Whereas with a guy, a guy, a lot of times has the ability to kind of grind some of those weights out. So th those are some of just really small differences. But what I've learned over the years is that training should be really inclusive. And this is stuff I've learned with my family as well. Just everything that you're doing in your life, why not have it be more inclusive than exclusive, except for occasions on where you need some time to yourself? Um, because that's important too, right? Um, if I'm going to go for a walk, I love walking by myself, but if my son's going to walk with me, I'm going to be more inclusive than exclusive. If you have an opportunity to work out with a significant other, you should take it. Um, now if you're, if you're working out with them all the time, and it doesn't seem to be working and, and you're both getting frustrated, uh, then that's something to reevaluate. And, and why are you getting frustrated? Are you forcing the other person to lift the way that you want to lift? Um, there's some things to try to figure out there, but in general, if you're trying to lift with a significant other, pick exercises that are easy to change weights on and start to try to figure that out. If you are somebody that normally routinely works out with three plates in the squat, um, you could have uh, your girlfriend work out with um, quarters and you can kind of mix and match the quarters and the 45s. And there's really no reason why you have to be on separate racks. You could be on separate mm -hmm. racks, but you know, in a commercial gym, maybe you don't want to take up two different racks and maybe you want to actually lift together and be involved in each other's workout more. You're going to be involved in each other's workout more if you're loading and unloading the weights. Now you do the same thing for the bench and where it gets to be kind of hard is the deadlift. But luckily for the deadlift, you can usually set up just about anywhere in most gyms uh, with a deadlift bar and usually have a rubber floor. So usually it's not a problem. But again, I would use the same strategy. I would use those quarters, um, the, uh, the smaller 25-pound metal plates. Uh, so you can kind of slide them on and off very easily. And it's an easy way to work out with, with just about anybody. Um, I've worked out with people that are you know, uh, sometimes two or three plates ahead of me in terms of strength. And I've worked out with people that are two or three plates behind me in terms of strength. And so you can make it work. Um, sometimes it, it's a pain in the butt, but when it comes to all the assistance stuff, it's going to be really easy to change all the weights. So the bodybuilding stuff becomes very easy. She mm -hmm. grabs her dumbbells, you grab yours. And then the select selectorized machines with the pins, those are simple. Those are easy. So that would be a real easy way to work out with your girlfriend. Hmm. The other question was about the shoulder, mm -hmm. getting pain in the front of the shoulder. I think just about everybody's had that over the years. Um, suggestion number one is, uh, if you're bench pressing 52 weeks out of the year, stop bench pressing. <laughs> Sorry folks, but you know, don't lay down on a regular bench press and just, uh, and just bench press with a barbell. Think about some different type of types of movements that you can actually do. 
a lot of times we get hurt. We get, we really focus in on the negative. And so try to focus in more on what are some things that you can do rather than focus on things that you can't do, the things that you are currently unable to do, unable to perform without a pain level over a three. We're on page 43 class. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> nothing more than a pain level of three. And that's not, um, that's something you should be following all the time. Nothing should ever hurt. I shouldn't say ever, nothing should hurt over a pain level of three. And if it does, something's wrong and you got to move on You try a different exercise, try less weight, do something different. It ain't worth it. Shouldn't hurt over a level of three while you're doing it. Now, the shoulder, a lot of times that shoulder pain, uh, a lot of times it's coming from a bicep tendonitis. Um, and, uh, our biceps, our shoulders get rolled forward. We have the bicep and, uh, there's a bicep and a lot of the tendons and ligaments and muscles and everything kind of all meets up, uh, in the front of that shoulder. And so some solutions for it are, you know, number one is, as I said, you know, stop bench pressing so often. If you're benching twice a week, that's even worse. Um, you can bench twice a week, but not till you're healthy. Um, you want to limit the amount of times that you're actually, uh, laying down on a flat bench, try to find some other exercises that you can do. Uh, you want to try to get a really good warm up. Warm up your shoulders a lot. Do a lot of side laterals, a lot of rear delt work. Um, start to work your rotator cuffs. Mm-hmm. Put that in the beginning of your workout. Don't even start your workout until you've done uh, about six sets for both sides, both your left arm and your right arm, of at least two different uh, rotator cuff movements. <clears throat> doesn't take long. Doesn't take long. You need to get warm anyway. So do that shit. Um, look it up. Just, just, you know, go on YouTube and look it up. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. It just needs to be consistent. And, uh, you know, those are some things that can help a lot. We can also, you can find someone who does some muscle work. It doesn't have to be a genius. It doesn't have to be anybody special. Find someone that will dig in there and work on that muscle in particular and work on that problem area. But if they're smart enough, they should understand they got to work the front of the shoulder, the side of the shoulder. They got to work the back of the shoulder. They got to work around it a bunch, right? Obviously, as you know, I invented a product called the slingshot and the slingshot is to, um, help solve that, that problem. It helps solve that bottom piece of, of a bench press. The bottom part of the bench press is the most painful. It's where the most stress is on your body. And a slingshot is something that helps absorb some of that pain. Think about jumping off of something that's, uh, maybe uh, about waist high and landing on some concrete with uh, no shoes on, right? And I think about like how that would feel. Like that would, that would probably wouldn't feel great, right? And I think about if you were to do the same thing and instead of, uh, you know, jumping down from something that's waist high and landing on concrete, you landed in sand. So the slingshot is a little bit more like landing in sand and, and beyond that, it's more like landing on a trampoline because it will slingshot you back up out of the bottom. And so not only are you getting a softened blow and not only is it softening and cushioning the lowering portion of that exercise, but it's also springing you back up. And so it's going to take, for most people, it pulls all the pain out of their shoulder, not for everybody, depending on how severe uh, the pain is, but for most everybody, it pulls all that pain out of there. And it's going to help a lot with your elbows. It also helps with your form and your technique, helps keep the elbows in. Um, and it helps you to, it helps you to handle more weight as well. So not only are you lifting with no pain, 
and with better form, but you're able to handle more weight. And that's the way that we love to use the slingshot here at Super Training is it's really rare. I don't think Andrew and I, Andrew and I have been lifting for a few months now and we have not really one time really just went for a one big slingshot rep. Right. We haven't used it that way at all. And that's a fun way of using it. And I, I'm not against that way of using it. It was just that that's not the most common way that we use it here at super training. And it's not the most effective way to use a slingshot. The most effective way to use a slingshot is to utilize it as a tool to allow you to do more. We always talk about, we want you to figure out ways of doing more, do more, be more, that whole concept. That's what the slingshot is all about. You throw the slingshot on and let's say that you maxed out at 185 for the day. Well, now you might be able to do three sets of three with a slingshot on um, after whatever raw work it is that you already did. How else would you get those three sets of three in with that kind of weight on? There's no other way you can really do it. Mm -hmm. And so the slingshot allows you to do that. Years ago, people would do partial reps. They might do like a quarter press or they might do a board press, you know, might bench off of three boards, four boards, five boards, and you can bench more weight that way. Um, but it's still not the same as a full range of motion bench. And so the slingshot allows you full range of motion and helps take away a lot of the pain in your shoulder. Let's see. Feeling well, active release therapy. Yeah, active release therapy will help. Really quick, when you were given the analogy of jumping off of uh, a platform waist high and then uh, mm -hmm. landing in sand, it just reminded me of the Nickelodeon moon shoes. Do you remember those? No. Let me show you an image. Are they the jumping shoes? Oh, man, those are sick. So I, I would imagine that that's like what a slingshot is if you were to jump off of <laughs> a platform. That's awesome. We need to get some of those. <laughs> They're ridiculous. They were really loud. I remember that. Did you have a pair? I, I think uh, I knew somebody that had them, and I was like, oh, my gosh, there they are. And I thought they were going to be like a trampoline, but like everywhere. You didn't really get that high. It was kind of, it was a letdown for sure. But this one guy said that uh, O'Hearn blocked him on IG because he asked a question. Mm. He asked it if he folded his toilet paper or bunched it when pooping. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> a fair question. Mm -hmm. um, mm. For the slingshot this week, it was, or last week, was awesome. Uh, I still haven't benched 225. That's the goal. But after, I don't remember what we hit, but I ended up throwing on the original slingshot and I benched 225 for a set of three. And I remember I was blown away. I thought that was. That Isn't was that amazing? It felt great because, like, I actually got to feel what 225 felt like as I, you know, got the bar handed off to me. Because it's not helping me out, at, you know, in uh, full extension. Right. It's only helping me out of the bottom. And I don't know, man, I, like after using it, I, I was like, shit, dude, I want to go for this raw <laughs> without the slingshot. It felt great. Um, taller lifters, should they have their hands out wider on the bench? Um, not necessarily. Uh, I've seen taller lifters or lankier lifters uh, really love having a closer grip. Um, you're not particularly tall yourself, but you're not particularly short. Um, and you're, but you have quite a bit of range of motion, mm -hmm. um, because you haven't built yourself up to be super thick, uh, at this time. So for, for you, um, 
you would be similar to like a taller athlete. If people can follow what I'm talking about here, I'm just talking about the overall range of motion. So Andrew's range of motion is pretty great. I mean, it would be the equivalent of uh, somebody that has, a, you know, um, long arms or someone who's tall um, because he doesn't weigh 240 pounds. He doesn't weigh 250 pounds. He doesn't have that thickness through his entire body to create a shorter pressing distance, and he's not 5'6". Mm-hmm. So um, basically, it's not necessarily about being tall. It's a little bit more about just like your arm length and things like that. But what you'll find is that with a taller athlete, the closer their hands are within reason, probably the hands just being like shoulder width or slightly wider than shoulder width. A lot of times what you'll find is as the elbow gets pushed back behind the body in the bottom position, you have more pressing power because the pecs and the shoulders and everything stretches out a lot more and in your body is more compact. Everything's in nice and tight. Everything's in nice and close. And, um, your um, biceps, triceps, and lats, everything's like more packed in. Even if you're not a big guy and you don't have a lot of muscle fullness and you don't have these big, huge muscles to kind of uh, drop the weights on and stuff like that, it still doesn't matter if everything's in close and everything is uh, feeling, um, a lot of times people will feel stronger there. And a lot of times the taller athletes, they'll get more of a stretch from the bottom of the lift and they'll be able to press a little bit more from having a closer grip. So being tall, uh, doesn't necessarily mean that your grip is wide. I'd actually almost say the opposite is true. I've seen shorter athletes really enjoy going much wider, um, and arching a lot and, uh, taking advantage of, you know, making that stroke just super short, short stroking it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone else asked if uh, diet energy drinks are going to, what did it say? Basically hurt, uh, their diet when leaning out and, I kind of have an answer for him if you want me to take that one. Go for it. Uh, we we love Monster Energy. Uh, Muscle Monster keeps us well energized. Hey now. And, I mean, if you guys know, those have like zero everything. I don't know exactly what kind of trickery they use to put flavor into those. <laughs> but, no, those are not going to hurt your, your macros or whatever you want to call it. But where it's going to hurt you is when you're trying to go to bed that night. Mm. Um, a lot of people don't understand that the, uh, like, caffeine has a, like, an eight-hour half-life. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, a lot of people don't even understand what I just said there. Basically, if you were to have a Monster Energy drink at 6 o'clock today, by, like, 2 a.m., it'd actually be out of your system when mm. you'd actually be able to get to fall asleep. Right. So, in, in uh, like, on paper, no, it's not going to hurt this guy's diet. But when he's trying to recover, it's really going to kill him there. And he's not going to be able to um, get the rest that he needs. Mm. And that's where it's going to hurt him. What the half-life of booze is. Do you know that? I do not know. But I know that it doesn't let you get into deep sleep. Mm-hmm. And it it's funny because like people actually will turn to alcohol to try to pass out. But they don't actually get enough rest when they, when they right. drink alcohol. Right. I know. And and the same thing happens with like marijuana and some other things too. Uh, Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing is like, I just wonder if like, uh, you know, what kind of research there is on like particular doses, you know, um, Mm. you know, like what if you just had a glass of wine, you know, rather than like getting smashed, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, the, the interesting thing about some of that stuff too, is that if you have like two glasses of wine and you sleep, you feel fucking awesome. (laughs) Like you feel so good. So it's like, yeah. 
Um, and some of the stuff I'm experiencing right now, I've, I've been sleeping with this ring and this ring tracks, um, uh, just a ring I wear on my hand. It tracks my sleep and I don't know, it seems fairly accurate, but it's showing that I wake up quite a bit. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to work on trying to figure some of that out. You know, uh, some things I decided to do was to, you know, chop out some caffeine a little bit more here and there. I, I'm not even, I don't even really give a fuck about caffeine that much. So drinking coffee is almost more habitual than it is like mm-hmm. a real thing for me. Right. Um, a lot of times I do have a cup of coffee first thing in the morning, but my morning usually starts at like five. <laughs> um, and then it's kind of like, I don't know. It's weird. It's like, you just think that you need it because you're used to drinking it and you're mm-hmm. like, Oh, I feel like almost, I don't really ever feel tired, but I almost just want to feel energized, like mm-hmm. a little extra. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes I reach for it, but yeah, there's going to be cer- certain things I'm going to have to do to try to adapt, to try to be able to get this, uh, sleep tracked a little bit better. Somebody asked me my view on carb cycling, highly effective. A lot of people do it. How you do it. It's kind of up to you. Different people have different theories. Some people think you should eat your carbs like on your, um, around workouts and other people kind of say, Hey, you know what? Um, I'd like you to see you still eat some carbs on days off because the days out of the gym, we're recovering as well. And so different people have different theories, but the general consensus seems to be, Hey, like on a training day, you might have 300 carbs and on a non-training day, you might have 200 carbs, mm-hmm. but just mess with it and see how you like it. And maybe, um, you know, maybe you have one day a week where, you know, your carbs are pretty low and you don't exercise for that particular day just to, just to try it out and see, see what you like and see what you don't like. Give it a shot. Um, what's the uh, best form of cardio for fat loss? Um, I think it's been proven kind of time and time again. Um, you know, uh, just from, um, just mainly from bodybuilders, you know, that the steady state cardio is effective, very, very effective. It's highly effective. Um, you know, getting your heart rate up to, you know, 135, 145 beats per minute, um, has also been shown to be really effective just for, uh, life, just for longevity in in general. Um, and then keeping it there, you know, getting it that high and then keeping it there. And it sucks. Mm -hmm. It's actually really, it's actually quite difficult to do it's a real pain in the ass but um that'll burn that'll burn a lot of calories or burn a lot of sugar um it'll burn fat off your body uh really really well what's interesting right now is i am not doing anything uh, you know other than walking in the morning and walking at night and uh i'd like the walks to always be a little bit shorter uh, at night but my kids always go with me and they <laughs> want to walk forever so that's we, great. I know we've That's been walking so cool. like 25, 30 minutes, which is awesome. But mm-hmm. with that amount of walking in, at least for right now, I'm getting away with, uh, I'm getting away with eating, um, not like whatever I want. Cause I don't want to paint the wrong picture. Cause I don't, I don't, uh, I don't eat like a pig. You know, I still eat very healthy. I still, you know, um, but I think in general, I'm eating a little bit less. Um, but, uh, with the amount of, uh, walking, uh, it's, it's keeping me, it's keeping me really lean. And even a few weeks ago, not a few weeks ago, but even like about a week ago or two, um, you know, with adding some of these walks in, I noticed just getting a little bit leaner just from just that. So mm-hmm. I was like, shit, well, this is, uh, you know, working pretty good. I thought by now I'd, I'd have to have my fat ass on the, uh, on the stair stepper, but, uh, I don't, I don't need to mess with it yet. So I'm mm-hmm. not going to. Yeah. I've been having a hard time with, uh, cause you told me to move to steaks from chicken. 
I don't know if it's like the reheating of steak, mm. but I just know after meal prepping, it's harder for me to eat steak than it is to eat chicken right now, which is really weird because I used to hate eating <laughs> like, you know, prepped chicken and right. rice. And I'm like, I'm kind of missing it right now, which is weird. Mm. Yeah, steak, it depends on what kind of steak and it depends on how long you microwave it for. I, for. I think people forget the microwave sometimes will cook stuff. Yeah. So the microwave will actually kind of cook your, it'll cook your steak, which sucks. Mm -hmm. Something you can try to do is you can try to heat up like bone broth and uh, avoid heating up your actual meal at all mm -hmm. and just get that scorching hot and just pour it on there. Yeah. That will kind of cook the meat a little bit too, but not as much. It might be something to give it a shot. Um, and then what kind of steak do you have? I've been just doing New York strips the way you told me. Yeah. Those fuckers can get dry. <laughs> yeah. I want to try Maybe try a tri-tip. Okay. Maybe try something a little different um, just to get a little bit more, you know. Ribeyes are, ribeyes are weird. Mm -hmm. Re a reheated ribeye is uh, weird. Um a filet is really good, but they're just really expensive. Mm -hmm. But but a tri-tip might be a good option. Yeah. Uh, that's a great that question. Shit. Any secret to healing a groin strain? Mm. Hey, now. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter what injury you have. It's all, it's all the same. You know, we need to kind of figure out what's the root cause of what happened. Um, and then you need to try to backtrack from there. And then you also need to concentrate on the things you can do rather than focus on the things that you're having a hard time doing. Um, <clears throat> Straining a groin is a tough one, man. That, that's something that hurts for a pretty long time. Um, you may want to think of some different things that you can do that uh, promote some blood flow but don't really hurt you, such as walking, walking some hills, um, pedaling on a bike, uh, something that has helped my dad. My dad had an injury there. And, uh, just sitting on a kettlebell, take a kettlebell and, uh, sit on the round part of the kettlebell, not the handle and just squish your groin on there and just wiggle around and, uh, mess with that for, you know, three to five minutes, maybe a couple times a day. Uh, in addition, you can also kind of wrap up your, um, the groin area with, uh, like a knee wrap type thing where you can get a hammy band from markbellslingshot.com and, and kind of put something in that area to kind of, you know, give it some compression. Um, a hot tub might help a little bit, might help mm -hmm. kind of ease some of the pain. If you get a jet kind of pushing in the right spot, it might help a little bit too. <laughs> um, and then kind of the, the last thing is like exercise selection. You know, you might have to work on picking certain types of exercises to get some blood into that area and to get that area moving again. So those are all some options that you can, uh, you know, do to, to work on, work on, uh, you know, that damn groin. Cause that's, that's a rough injury. Mm -hmm. Somebody asked a question over here about, um, he said he used to power up like crazy and he stopped for a little bit and he doesn't really know how to start back up again. And this is, uh, probably where we'll, Probably where we'll knock off right here. Um, you know, the main thing is just to, I always like to use, uh, I always like to use nostalgia to try to move forward. I always, I think it's a great way to move forward. I even heard, you know, more recently too, that you should uh, like remember your way to sleep rather than try to think your way to sleep. Because thinking um, 
causes a, a cascade of, of, uh, of issues and kind of heightens everything and, and throws everything for a loop. So you shouldn't really think too much about this power thing thing. You should just kind of remember what you did before. And, uh, that's what I would like to see you step into is find, find something that you were doing before, find something that felt successful to you because you mentioned you were power thing before. And so I would just kind of take on some of that same principle. However, I would start with much lighter weight and give yourself time, give yourself two months, three months, at least, uh, to start to kind of catch on and start to feel good about what it is you're doing. If you just hop in full blast and you try, you're trying to lift the weights you used to lift, uh, you're going to die out really fast, but take what you were doing before, implement that now and just start moving. Um, I would say bench once a week, squat once a week, deadlift once a week. If you feel like you don't have time for stuff, um, then you can work out three times a week, bench, squat, deadlift, and uh, mix in a little bit of accessory exercises. The workouts don't have to be longer than 45 minutes. They don't have to be really long. Um, so you can kind of uh, you can kind of do it that way. Um, uh, trying to think if there's anything else. Just and make sure you're feeling good. Like don't you know? Don't jump into anything that doesn't feel right. If it's not going to feel right with uh, your warm up weights on there, it's going to feel worse and worse as you progress. One more real quick. Uh, Phil in his 40s is just about to barely get into training. Um, Tommy Wishbone, what's up, buddy? <laughs> he's looking for general advice, but he's just asking, is it still possible uh, to see gains and whatnot from like someone who's inexperienced in their 40s? Hey, it's Jessica Smith. Uh-oh. Why are we all so fat? <laughs> Uh, the guy wants to know about some gains, yeah. being a little bit older. Being older and essentially, it sounds like just being brand new to training in general. Mm. Does this answer your question, buddy? These giant triceps of mine? I feel it in my triceps. I feel it in my triceps. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm 41 and I feel like I'm still getting those gains. Now, I've been training for a really long time, but I think that if you're new to training, I think that it, it, it should be easier mm -hmm. to uh, get gains. And actually, um, let's not forget that uh, a, lot of, a lot of lifters, a lot of bodybuilders um, continue to get stronger as they got older. Uh, Stan Efforting, I think, started in powerlifting at about 45 years old and then ended up hitting some, of it, or maybe 42 years old, somewhere in there, but ended up hitting some of his biggest lifts at like 44, 45, 46 years old. Roddy Coleman was the same way in his bodybuilding career. Uh, we got Dexter Jackson kind of leading the way when it comes to that sort of thing. He, I think he's in his like early 50s, and he's still hitting the uh, Olympia stage. Um, and Dexter Jackson is way bigger today than he was uh, years ago. He's <laughs> massive, absolutely massive. And so a lot of these uh, professional bodybuilders, a lot of the guys you see hit the Olympia stage are late 30s, early 40s. It takes decades to build that muscle up. And yes, they do build it when they're young, but um, a lot of them are really able to make some major, major changes as they get older. Um, I was pretty surprised, you know, doing the bodybuilding show and, and uh, diving into that diet and, and, and pushing the weights and stuff around. I, I was really impressed. I impressed myself with, uh, the changes I was able to make going through, going through that whole process. I didn't really know if they were going to be possible or not. And, and I think they were, um, I think my arms are way bigger than they were, you know, three months ago. <laughs> I, I should have measured them, but, um, so yeah, uh, I did it 
I think you can do it. And if you're new to lifting, you might have more gains mm-hmm. than the next guy. Got them newbie gains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Appreciate all the questions, man. Thank you guys so much for uh, dropping in, and we'll try to we'll try to answer these more often. Somebody recently kind of said they missed the power project. Well, this is the power project, um, and uh, we can power project style these here and there, uh, answer some questions so that you guys are getting some of the you know getting some of the info that you need. Um, but make sure you're checking us out on YouTube. Go ahead and give us a review. We could use the support. Um, this message is free. It doesn't come with any sort of price tag. We're not, your, your admission is uh, your time. We just need, we just need your time. And uh, if you want any way to pay us back, uh, that would be much appreciated. Share this with other people. Tell other people, hey man, you got to go listen to Mark Bell's Power Project because we spent a lot of time. We put a lot of effort into this. We love doing this. This is so much fun for us. And um, we're not just doing it to hear ourselves talk. <laughs> Maybe we are. I know we're, I am. We're, we're, we're doing it, uh, we're doing it, obviously, like, Andrew and I get a lot out of doing this. Like, there's no question, and being around the people that we get to be around, it's a lot of fun. Um, but, man, it doesn't, I, I'll tell you, like, I can send you guys the bill. <laughs> it really doesn't make any sense. But I, I really, truly, and honestly mean that we are doing this for you guys. We're doing this to make a difference. We're doing this to have an impact. And so if you want to pay us back in any way, Share it, tell other people about it, be religious about it, yell at them, tell them they got to listen, make them subscribe, make them check it out. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. We're all over the damn place. We're everywhere you can possibly imagine. We're live on YouTube. We're live on Facebook right now. I'm live on Instagram. And um, we're going to just be popping up all over the place wherever we can. So leave us a comment, leave us a review. Um, Anything else they can do for us? Uh, just yeah, rate review on iTunes. Yeah, hit some big ass weights. How mm, about that? There you go. Yeah, get, get strong. How about that, you bunch of humps? <laughs> go hit some goddamn weights up. Eat cleaner. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, we have a uh, seminar here, October sixth. Starts at eight a.m. And uh, we have somebody named Stephanie Cohen. Mm-hmm. Some sort of, I don't know, some sort of world record holder? Multiple world records? Mm-hmm. I don't know. She's lifted some big weights, I think. And then that dude she hangs out with, uh, I don't remember. We him. still haven't figured out a way to get rid of him. We haven't figured out a way to break the news <laughs> to mm. him that we don't want him here. Hayden Bo will also be here. Uh, <laughs> Hayden and Stephanie are doing a seminar with uh, yours truly, and I'm really excited about it. We have 50 spots that's all we got. We got 50 spots because we wanted to make this a little bit more personalized. Uh, last time we did a seminar here, we blew the roof off this sucker and we had 400 people packed in here and it was a lot of fun. It was awesome, but we wanted to give you guys something a little different. And so this time around we got 50 peeps and, um, it's first come first serve. So you just, you just show up, you know, show up at 5 AM, show up at 3 AM. I don't know. I don't know what time is going to work. But show up early and uh, get ready, and hopefully you'll be able to get in. You'll be able to check it out. Uh, lastly, uh, we also have a uh, powerlifting meet coming up. We got the uh, Slingshot Record Breakers, which I'm doing in collaboration with my boy, Jesse Burdick. It'll be in Dublin, California. I think that's where it's at. Mm-hmm. Uh, at CSA, mm-hmm. Combat, Strength and a- Combat Strength Academy. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. 
I think I combat I think I, strength association mm-hmm. <laughs> of America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there it is of the United States, and uh, that is November the second week end of November. It's a uh, cash meet, and uh, Slingshot is giving out about. I don't know. Well, maybe I shouldn't say how much money because I don't know yet. But it's over ten thousand dollars in cash prizes, cash money. Um, it could be closer to twenty thousand. Uh, who knows? <clears throat> but you're going to see a lot of great lifters lift there, and you see a lot of big records uh, being broken. I know that Jeremy Hornstra is scheduled to be there, and Jeremy uh, is knocking on a seven hundred pound bench. Competes at about two hundred forty pounds. A couple other Goliaths and a couple other strong dudes that are, are going to be at that contest. And you guys are going to want to be sure to check that out. I'll be there as well. And we're working on a guest speaker to come in, get everybody all fired up to do something like that. November 10th. November 10th. November 10th and November 11th. It's like Saturday, Sunday. My bad. Yeah. I think it's both days. Sunday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow's a big bench day for us. Mm-hmm. Wish us the best. Strength is never a weakness. Weakness is never a strength. See you guys later. Bye.